Welcome to Pablo Hilt Investigates. In today's episode, I'm talking to great guitarist and composer Ralph Towner. Of course, you know Ralph Towner from his work with Oregon, Weather Report, John Abercrombie, uh, Azimuth, and lots of other great musicians and great bands. And he's just one of my absolute heroes on the guitar and as a composer and uh, as the full package. I've had the privilege of working together with him and my trio on a few occasions. In 2021, we had an opportunity to play with Ralph again at uh, Philharmonic Hall in Köln. So I, I used this opportunity to visit him in his hotel room right before the sound check. I was very, very happy that he took his guitar out for the conversation and showed me a lot of things that he was working on, original compositions, and also really taking me into his compositional process of uh, what went down when he wrote those pieces. He showed me some ex exercises that he's still doing today that he has learned decades ago when he was studying classical guitar in Vienna. And he talked a lot about the influence of Bill Evans on his music, Uh, I hope you enjoy this episode and uh, I'm very thankful to Ralph for doing this with me. If you like this podcast, please consider subscribing to this channel and leave a comment. I always read them and always try to reply to them. And if you would like to support this uh, podcast even more, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash pabloheld. The perfect companion to this podcast is this little notebook that I've put out. It's the Investigation Notes notebook, uh, and it has staff paper. You can write down anything uh, that you like and that you don't want to forget in it. You can find this on my Bandcamp page. It's called the Investigation Notes notebook. All right, I hope you enjoy this episode, and let's keep in touch. As you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of your playing. I admire what you do, what you write, all the things you came up with. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, to me, it feels like there were, wasn't really somebody before you who did what you do. Hmm. And I wonder, you know, if Steve Grossman, uh, you know, came up wanting to play the saxophone, yeah. he has his heroes. Yeah. You know, right. if Herbie Hancock came up, he likes Bill Evans, he likes yeah. Wynton Kelly, he has his heroes. And mm -hmm. he has also already like a roadmap of what to do. Yeah. I don't think you had that in that regard no, because... Uh, well, no, I had several roadmaps, as a matter of fact. I mean, the, the, in the music I was exposed to on recordings, and I'm talking about only 1945. Right. I was born in 1940. So I had two brothers that were in military service, and, uh, and, and in fact, one was, was a dive bomber pilot in, uh, and was... Shot down by four German planes oh, in the no. Second World War and killed. You know, oh, he went wow. straight into the ground. But I never knew him. I mean, he—he, mm -hmm. he, uh, uh, I was five, when, four, I think, when he, wow. and I'd never really met him. Uh -huh. I think I saw him. I remember seeing a little. You know, I have two brothers that have wonderful collections of all the swing music and all the the big band and and Nat King Cole and Duke Ellington records recordings. Yeah, they were real listeners, and they collected all these recordings. So I had those uh, to listen to when I was like from five years old on. Mm. And uh, that one brother was continued to live until uh, he was fifty, 
and he still was collecting all kinds of nice music. And so the records, in a way, I was hearing all the music very much like a, a European would. Uh -huh. There weren't jazz schools. There weren't, weren't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we lived in a really small town in Oregon, uh, in central Oregon, like 9,000 people, I think. So, but the music scene, as far as, as education, all the two elementary schools had like a mu music departments that consisted of an, an orchestra, a mm -hmm. chorus, and a band, and a marching band, and a sort of a concert band. Mm -hmm. So I started playing trumpet. I took lessons in the summer when I was six years old, because mm -hmm. my father played trumpet. He, uh, I had his old trumpet. And uh, so I started on the trumpet when I was six, and mm -hmm. took lessons, and... and uh, played in, in uh, all these wonderful music venues in, in the elementary schools. Mm. Um, by the time I was nine or ten, I was playing the, the bands and things. And uh, But I heard all this music. I used to imitate Louis Armstrong and then uh, uh, what was it? a lot of other... Uh, Harry James, mm -hmm. trumpet player. Yeah, he was and, Miles uh, Davis's hero also. Yeah. Early hero. So Harry I had James. a lot of heroes yeah. from that kind of music. So I and I was able to improvise almost from the very beginning. It just came mm. very naturally. Mm -hmm. I could do harmony, and my mother was a church organist, so she's always playing Bach. So she it was, was cool. in my blood. Just somehow, it, it made so much sense the baroque harmony. So by the time I start, went to university, I uh, studied in the music school there, composition mainly, but mainly. Uh, uh, I was kind of a whiz kid at writing all the Bach chorales and I didn't have to really review the rules mm -hmm. because they, I knew when things were right, you know, it just made such sense. Yeah. So I had a, I'd been a harmonizing things, you know, since I was playing the little flutes in the, in the beginner's classes, mm -hmm. the little, uh, uh plastic, uh, block flutes and, <laughs> But, uh, so, I started getting interested in piano, but my mother was a piano teacher, and I somehow was such a brat, I just, I could imitate records and and fool around on the piano. Mm -hmm. But in this small town, I mean, there were no, uh, uh, as I say, there, there, I'm just kind of a, a little phenom, you know. Mm -hmm. So I got too much praise for too little production, I think. <laughs> I mean, by uh, the time I was uh, in in university, then I started getting serious with the piano when I heard Bill Evans. Yeah. So I'm, but all my my big influence in uh, in jazz all went toward the, after a lot of time playing the trumpet and and playing everything from Dixieland mainly and uh, mm. all kinds of different kinds of music. And in dance bands with grown men that I'd have to sit outside of the bar on the breaks because I was 12 years old yeah. when I was playing with these, or 15, I would think, when I, when I was playing in this uh, sort of dance band. Mm. But anyway, the piano didn't really grab me until I heard Bill. And that was really caught my ear. I remember also being quite impressed with the, um, oh, what, what's the piano player that, he had kind of a hit with this, uh, oh, 
Oh God. Oh, I can't remember the name of the tune. Anyway, but uh, Bill uh, here, Bill and that trio, you know, with the bass and and, uh, and Paul's drumming too. Um, uh, that set a standard for this kind of jazz interaction. And I thought, oh, that's it. I gotta learn how to play the piano. So my mm -hmm. final three years of school, I was working on playing the piano, but I still mm -hmm. didn't play quite well enough to, to work. Mm -hmm. uh, although I finally started, I think, I, yeah, I finally got a few gigs after I'd been working at it for a few years, but, but uh, when I was about, what, I don't know, just before I graduated. But the, I, the real thing that happened to me was I heard, um, in my final year of university, I heard uh, uh, an, another student who was a, actually a psychology student playing uh, the classical guitar, and he played very well. He was playing some, some Bach or something. Mm. And it was so, I just loved the instrument. I thought, yeah. wow, this thing is, can play contrapuntal music. It sounds like it, a, a piano a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I thought immediately, well, well, I really want to play this instrument, but it would be a total mistake to just try to just do self-teaching, you know, autodidactic like I did yeah. with the piano. And because I knew that to really play it, you'd need a strong foundation, and I asked where my great teacher was, and wherever that was, and yeah. I somehow hitchhiked and made my way to Vienna after I graduated, Yeah. and I was accepted at the academy, but I had an audition, I only had taught myself maybe two pieces. Which ones? I don't know, the one, I, I think one, the one that I knew was uh, some Louis Milan thing, I think, mm -hmm. but... Uh, wasn't much of a piece, but uh, I somehow they somehow could tell that I was a talented musician in a way, but, <laughs> but it wasn't that clear. And and boy, I had no money whatsoever, but I managed to squeak through a whole year on four hundred dollars. Can you yeah. imagine that? Yeah, wow. And and of course, the nice thing was the 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 tuition was was practically free. You know, yeah. I mean, this is the wonders of Europe. Yeah. It's different in the States. Yeah, I mean, uh, it really is. I mean, you would have had to pay big tuition, and I just finally graduated, you know, mm. with this sort of worthless degree in composition, music composition. <laughs> but but um, so I, I uh, studied with Carl Scheidt, this fabulous teacher, and every... Uh, You know, every exercise, every technical detail, dynamics and all that, was all built into you're always playing music. And most of the music we That's started beautiful. with was Renaissance music. Mm -hmm. And uh, not so much Spanish music, but more, more uh, Renaissance mm -hmm. music. And uh, as beginning pieces, which seem seemingly simple, but to play them beautifully and perfectly, mm. it really required a lot of musicianship. Yeah, and that was built into you had a reason for every exercise. There weren't just things given out because uh, just for the they sake were a tradition. Of just for, yeah. you know, can you is there is there um, certain things that you still do today that you can trace back to 
in terms of exercises um, that you can trace back? Well, to yeah, teaching? yeah. There was one one that that was very valuable for the left hand. I remember was uh, uh, this this the Jim. It's just okay. became, but then you go. But wow. the, the variations is more important. Uh, is this where you're playing basically you're going? Yeah. And that's very legato. Right? Yeah. Now that you can do the top when you and you combine the two by like. You don't release the, the trick is not to release now each note is still it's very legato yes. very legato you know, but it's not like that it's not that it becomes one it's, and it's, this is very difficult to do very in the beginning but you're saying it's very difficult to do but how it looks it looks like it's the easiest thing in the world yeah but the sound but the sound then you switch and then it's a little harder when... yeah but, but the trick but okay the secret hiding in this it's even more is the ability to make no breaks so you listen just listen to maybe this, this that yeah. one and listen make sure that I touched it. Okay. See, and so after that's done, your hand gets really, then the most important thing for me is not. Yeah. I'm can, I, I have this, the, the staccato is. And then yeah. the legato is the most. The timing so that it's mm. and most players, even quite good classical players, you you hear a you you hear that the tone stop between us yes. and the and and the reason because my ear is attuned to uh, wind instruments and also the piano, which right yeah, which the piano is the, to do a legato is the timing. You're not you don't have to time both. Yes. Hands yeah. quiet as well. But to make the guitar not sound like a. And I remember Shy. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, one little thing is when, when they weren't playing very good. Not playing a, a good legato. Mm -hmm. uh, he was saying, well, it sounds, sounds like a six year old girl singing. Ah, 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 breathing between every note. Yeah. And, 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 and when some. And, that's one of the main differences in my playing from almost even most a lot of classical players. Mm. I mean, because uh, my ear is attuned to, in order to really play a good legato, you have to will it to happen. You, to, you want to, you want it to hear it. 
You want to hear it. If you're not looking, listening for this sound of... If that isn't your goal, you know, la, la. Mm -hmm. but because it, it's music. <laughs> but if you're just interested more in, in the, the notes that happen, that's only one aspect. But the real technique to make something... And I always wanted this thing to sound just like a piano, because yeah. that's the only thing I listened to was piano players. <laughs> I didn't ever listen to guitar, guitar players. Never. Uh, you know, no, Julian Bream was my model in terms yeah. of finally a classical guitarist that transcended the sort of Spanish thing and mm -hmm. these wonderful things he did. So he was a, a, a real guiding light in showing that it could be done. You know? Yeah. He was able to find a lot of sounds in the guitar, right? Uh, to, to well, it isn't just the sounds, yeah. I mean, that, that. You, you control that too. Yeah. A good guitar is that you see. You want a bright thing that's down here. And then. Yeah. So that's standard on the guitar in Bream. Use that to real, real extremes. But uh, what are your favorite recordings of, of him? Oh, uh, I mean, I mean, of course, the, his most famous record was uh, what was it? Twentieth uh, uh, Century Guitar. Incredible, yeah. Yeah, and uh, um, and basically everything he did, and, and a lot of his, uh, and I played, I studied a lot of. We had a lot of Dowland music, a lot of Elizabethan mm -hmm. music, in shite. And, and so I he recorded a lot on. of that. Yeah. Well, not it wasn't his recordings as much as that. That's what we studied. That was the. Oh, I see. I see. Renaissance music and including the the you know Dowland and other mm -hmm. Elizabethan. Mm. So, but but the the thing I used to do when I finally got a nice tape recorder, and, and this is after I'd moved to New York and I was already working. But the thing that that my to compare, you always have your models, you know. So my model, as far as the guitar, I had just this one uh, checkpoint. I I would play a Bream record, and I would then I would I'd record myself, and uh, uh, I'd record myself uh, just playing, and then I would flip back and forth between, you know, mm -hmm. just. To make sure that that I was hearing somebody that was sounded as good as you yeah. to get myself to sound that mm -hmm. much to the point where you didn't think of it so much as a guitar. Yes. Of course, it is a guitar, a beautiful instrument, but but this this is my whole. I would say this is the my biggest concern about playing, and when I hear somebody play that. I can hear whether or not they've got a good enough ear, where they're they're transcending this 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 horribly difficult <laughs> stupid thing <laughs> with these squeaky strings, and uh, uh, to make it sound as close to very good, uh, close to. Uh, let's see, uh, who's the great great? Uh, some great pianist, but I I love uh, say on. Getting so old, I'm forgetting names, and it's hard for me. Yeah. Well, my uh, Italian, wonderful Italian classical piano. He's done. He's done a lot of Chopin and things. Arturo Benedetti, Michelangelo. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, 
he is he's like a uh, another uh, those are the the musicians I'm, I I try to uh, emulate on playing the the thing I don't care if it's a guitar for me this is a, is my little traveling piano already. yes and yes. Um, because I, I mean I don't want it to sound as difficult as it really is mm-hmm. yeah and <laughs> you, you know. succeed I, I want to have people completely lose track of that oh nice guitar or this or that because so absurd in the music uh, like I am and so the writing is very important that's another thing is being mm-hmm. a real composer I mean mm-hmm. I have a real uh, knack I think for finding uh, a motif in a, in a from just when you're playing around with something you find something that's not just only a nice collection of sounds but funny you, you find the thing that jumps out mm-hmm. and t- seems to telescope into a whole piece and a whole story really that you yeah. follow the line so I think the better you get as a composer the more you're able to, to spot the you know identify something that's has this potential for development mm-hmm. and it's, it's more than just a nice pretty collection of mm-hmm. sounds so it's easy to get uh, lured into just writing something because it sounds kind of pretty you know this is not the motivation for writing something for me yes yeah I, I and of course I could say <laughs> it should be for everybody but but all the pieces that everybody really likes are usually well written mm-hmm. even if it's a nursery rhyme yes and yes. Uh, what is the latest piece that you've written Oh, see, well, I'm playing a lot of the latest ones. What? Well, here's what I'm not playing. But uh, well, I did some the least one I've, I've written though. But I, I, I dug. It's not. It's not recorded anyway. But it, it's a nice thing anyway. Sounds kind of operatic, though. 
this very singable uh, and yeah. lyrical uh, quality it doesn't have to be uh, only nice sounds, yeah, anyway, yeah. but the, the, there's something that the, the melody connects all of these beautiful uh, colors. Yeah, and the thing is, I, I, they're written at the same time. I mean, yeah. uh, just the melody, I, I mean, this, uh, the melody is so simple. But when I start with and then this is nice. And then so there's the end of it. for a while. down to this uh, I love this part but Also, a, a major third. In. Oh, oh, this thing. Oh, yeah, this is this one. No. Yeah, yeah. That's in fact. This is kind of the germ of the this. So I have a, another tune. It's built. This is.
that in <laughs> blues thing. But anyway, that 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 comes from. So this chord is like I said. Oh, I might as well use it again. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, it's voice, but it's so special. But how do you find comments like that? Just looking around. Eventually, I'll find something, mm -hmm. and it and it generates a melody. I mean, it, yeah. And this this happened to be a very very fruitful thing. Yeah. Okay, now my this is. I didn't want to just do. I want to. And this is one of my favorite things is. Minor chords over, uh, you know, minor triads over. Yeah. Uh, I find a lot of things on that, but I know the that sound, and there's sometimes when I got that far. Now I wanted to not to do something like this. Something too bland, but mm -hmm. yeah. see that really, and plus the no. and the double. Whenever there's a handy open string, and, it, and I'll yeah. use it if, it if it does, and it does something wonderful for it, this. Yeah, that quite a bit different than so. If I just that's nice, but for some reason, mm -hmm. I said, "Wow, what is that?" But yes. but it's it's not any new note, but it's just a strange that that uh, that happens just sliding around finding things. But mm, okay, and then and then the next decision I make. Like that, just yeah. Oh, okay, there was another thing. I, I was it? Oh, yeah. Then when it repeats it, it does it again. So that sort of changes just a little bit, oh, but just enough to, to say everything's always something you want makes your eyes open a little wider, you know. Yes, but, yes. Something has to always happen. I mean, mm -hmm. this just, you never just, you know. There's never an autopilot. Like even if, if <coughs> compositional autopilot. I mean, even if it, if a part repeats, there's there will be one little detail. That exactly. Is, yeah. You, yeah, you seem that. to find that. I'm really, yes. really. Uh, I'm very uh, grateful for that. Yeah. But that's what goes into it. And uh, I hear that in all your pieces. Like, wow, they seem immensely complicated, but they're they're beautiful too, though. Mm, the thing is to try to uh, stay in touch with what you consider to be beautiful, you know? mm -hmm. and it could be really ugly to somebody else. I mean, it, yeah. it, it's quite possible, mm -hmm. but uh, they can't dispute your honesty about it. If, if you're you're writing exactly, and you're making these decisions, really for, for musical reasons, not for uh, let's say, uh, like, oh, this would be this could be clever right here. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. Because every time you do that, I mean, you get caught yes. red-handed. Yes. I mean, uh, and sometimes an audience is even sophisticated. They can 
sense when something is you're being uh, patronizing in a way. I'm curious, uh, Ralph, when you uh, when you compose, uh, do you ever think about the composition? Uh, sorry, about the um, uh, the blowing part. Uh, oh yeah, composing. Like oh, I, I want to play over this, or is that something that you think about later? Like what do I actually? Well, want some to of them. It's obvious what they're. The, this this one needs to be played on. Mm -hmm. this one. Because then some of them actually hold up just as what's a okay. This 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 is a, I'll play this tonight too. I like this. This is a, a very new one. It's not recorded either, but uh, this is very classical sounding. But it's a. it if it could end there is it's the written mm -hmm. it's all written written but I've decided oh, gee I could play but what I finally found the simplest way to play on it was start out with it's still playing the form but That's a nice piece. Yeah. What's it called? So I finally came up with the, the, the what, what is it? The, at first light. So, at first light. Yeah, just because this this thing is like a little cutty What do you call it? That, oh, it's important in this. Now I have to make sure that I stop this note because this. The, 
It interferes with the... With yeah, the I don't want the... Where is it? Yeah, it's an E and E and M. So, mm -hmm. I stick this down here and but Oh, right, yeah, okay. But so it I do this, but I used to just play it like this. With these three of the thumb. Yeah. With the bass. And uh, I finally, finally, after fiddling, I realized, oh, no, I So another thing about playing this thing is to be able to, with all the fingers, including the little one, all five fingers, play play a note that sounds exactly this, the same quality. How do you do that? That well, that they have to be filed perfectly. Okay. So that that's why you're always filing, mm -hmm. but I have really strong nails. But uh, yeah, then and then you have to use your ear mm -hmm. because uh, whoops, I didn't. Uh -huh. But a little nobody uses the little finger, but I I do that because I have these five note chords sometimes, mm -hmm. and and you normally hear this all the time. With, with, the, with the pick, you hear whoops. Instead of see, what am I doing? Oh, but just a, that's where it becomes like a piano. Yes, absolutely. So instead of everything always, mm -hmm. it was another. Uh, um, they pointed out very early on, like, like guitar players are pitching all the time. You hear this all the time, too much. One reason that hap haven't happens is because is is they want to bring out this note. But you should learn how to play play a chord and then. Can you hear that? Mm -hmm. Bring out all the voices. But all done at the same time, you know. It's that's the trick. Yes, also practice. Exactly. Yeah. It's just exact. That's the reason I sound like a piano. <laughs> I mean, that's that's where all my uh, all my jazz. Influences come from piano, even from Herbie and mm -hmm. yeah. you know, post Bill. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the fact that it's a guitar, it's, I found my work my way. So somebody who wants to sound like me has to have kind of a. I mean, by the time I put all these different things together, each each um, sort of instrument or uh, even discipline, or whatever you would call it. Mm. When I would study the guitar, I did not go near a piano for like three years. Mm -hmm. And uh, even though I was getting quite accomplished sounding like Bill, <laughs> but then I dropped it all oh, just to learn how to play this. Mm. And I realized in order to really 
build a technique that measured up to, to what I heard in the piano playing. Uh, it just, uh, you couldn't go off on a tangent and, and be, uh, you know, not to study with a real master who's a yeah. master musician, yeah. but a master teacher with great. And he spoke German, so I learned the whole guitar in German, in Viennese German. <laughs> so I did speak German there for quite a while. But, but um, my first words were things like, uh, Du bist faul, du bist fleißig. <laughs> Sehr brav. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, but, but uh, he was also quite funny. But he wasn't a confident player himself. He, he did in the practice room and teaching. He, he was a quite, you know, he played well. And, mm -hmm. uh, but, but he was, he very had nerves when he played in, in the concerts. How about you? Well, I learned slowly, slowly not to be nervous, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, I, I kind of got used. I noticed that the COVID, what happened after we couldn't play any concerts for years or so, you know, a mm -hmm. big span of time, uh, especially after the, the big long, longest break, which was a year at least. Mm -hmm. um, when I finally got a concert, I realized I'd forgotten how. To, how to perform, or what it was like to play in front of a bunch of people, yeah. and it was distracting. And I, and my mind was all over the place. I, mean, I yeah. kept thinking things like, "Oh, that wasn't very." Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so, finally, I mean, I had to, to relearn how how to play when a bunch of people are watching, you're listening, yes. hopefully. And so, I had a great concert in Berlin. That's what really makes me feel good. Mm. Good. But uh, uh, I always go out with the feeling, oh, this is really fun, you know, I really mm -hmm. want to hear this. Yes, yeah. And uh, there's something about the way it sounds in a theater when it's good, or a, even a club, if it's, the sound is good. But uh, if, the, if you can capture the audience, just a few notes, really, they, they will breathe with you, and you're, they, they won't be worried, they won't think about you, you know, mm -hmm. I mean... So that, that took quite a while, but, but I never was that. I remember being awfully nervous on classical concerts, having to play something that everybody else has played. Yes. And that was like, oh, God, I don't want to go through this. Mm. So I, I made my mind up quite early not to do many classical concerts. Yeah. And I, I still uh, still play some of the pieces. You know, I have a whole library of pieces that I used to be able to play, but uh, uh, that, that I found my niche. It's, it's, it's this thing of being a composer and a, a real jazz musician and an improviser. Mm. And, uh, but honor, trying to honor the, the incredible disciplines and musical uh, level uh, that classical playing demands, really. It's, it's probably also because so many people uh, play the same pieces too. Mm -hmm. So uh, you, you're, you're always being compared to. But the only comparisons I, the only competition I'm, I'm really doing is is a, an internal thing of trying to improve and 
the competition's not to get lazy the way you play. Yeah. And uh, I'm a really lazy person, and and I, I can like slip up sometimes. And and uh, uh, something about the COVID thing being locked up, I I practiced more than I had for a long time, mm-hmm. and I got better. And I thought, wow, what <laughs> what a concept! <laughs> you practice, you'll get better. <laughs> <laughs> and I I was uh, being too loose, I think. Mm-hmm. But. Um, the solo thing is is, is really, uh, it's the most difficult and it's the most, but you get to hear. Yes, I'm, I'm so impressed about how self-sufficient you are when you play alone. Like, you yeah. never miss anything. Yeah, I'm trying to, to include the concept. I, I love bass players. Lafaro I really loved, and and, uh, and and Peacock was my favorite duet. Yeah. And, and Gary knew everything about him. He, he studied all the... Tunes and yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, he just threw himself into into this music that I was writing and and, uh, and he was right. I mean, he wrote so many interesting things. So that was a great duo. But so when I'm playing, I'm, I'm making references, but like the kind of bass part I'm playing on, on uh, these pieces that do have a bass part, and, and of course the middle ones are really important. All that. All the movement and all, all the inside voices. That really comes from all the, and originally from Bill, hearing how Bill played, and learning how to play with the left hand like Bill. And, uh, anyway, the p- pianistic part of it, anyway. But, uh, um, when I'm playing, I'm trying to imply more than one person's playing because they're, they're, they are different parts, you know. Alto, alto, and soprano, and mm-hmm. all that, and I, and a lot of my pieces that you can just uh, extract them and, and make an acapella choir thing out of them. Mm-hmm. Just and because the voice, if you follow the inside voices, they all they don't just go parallel, you know. Yeah. And uh, so that's an important thing that's part of my musical training, maybe, or part of my musical instinct, but mm-hmm. but. Uh, so that that I pay a lot of attention to, and and that's really made possible on the classical. That's why the classical guitar is so interesting to me when I heard it. Hearing hearing each note separately, kind of for how they fit together. I don't know what it was, but you started to play with Jimmy Garrison. You told me. Yeah, I did. I did. I had a gig. It might have been nineteen sixty-eight or sixty-nine. It was a jazz mobile, jazz mobile. On the station wagon, you told me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was on a trailer, and it was a every summer they tow this trailer with the piano on it and sound system, and tow it up to Harlem and park in the street in the middle of Harlem. And, yeah. And uh, and you would play. So at, it's at Jimmy night. Garrison, you, and who else? Oh, uh, let's see. The first uh, Dave Liebman did one. Mm-hmm. I think the first sax player was who? No, the first sax player in the the thing, the gig, the first gig with with Jimmy. Jimmy's band was, uh, oh, what's his name? Argentinian guy with the big hat. He, he did the music for uh, uh, Last Tango in Paris. That was his name. Oh, oh sh- I can't believe it. 
So you got quite famous from this. I don't know. Oh, uh, oh it, it'll come to me. Yeah. Somehow, but he was, he was very famous anyway. But then a drummer, I think, was something like mm -hmm. George Brown. I don't know, mm -hmm. but who I think moved to Europe and I never saw him again. But but uh, yeah. What kind of material did you play? We played Jimmy's stuff. It was all blues, you know. Mm -hmm. Jimmy thought he had invented a new uh, uh, writing technique. It was always a bunch of chicken scratches, and then he says, and he goes like this. Tap that tweep, tap tap the tweep, <laughs> and it was just, just a blues. <laughs> anyway, I don't know what we played, but we but we had a whole concert. And Boyd, he loved that band. That was great. Mm -hmm. But he also played with Elvin. I, I listened to that record. Yes, not weird. Well, that was Elvin's idea. Was it? He absolutely. Heard... Elvin loved organ. He loved his. Oh, I can play with that band. We were on the same label. Yeah. And so he proposed to uh, Maynard Solomon, who's the president. Of Vanguard, mm -hmm. and uh, said, "Okay, fine. You can do anything." Because he left us alone. I mean, he says, "Well, you guys know what you're doing." So we would produce all our own records of Vanguard, all the nine of them. Yeah, and it was so. It, so it was a good learning experience in the studio. But the, but that thing with Elvin was was just a one shot deal. We were gonna thing. We had to plan it ahead and said, "Oh, we got to keep Elvin playing all the time." Yeah. So we just sat down, and Elvin never got a chance to get off the drums, <laughs> and we just pounded away. And uh, and I said, "Oh God, what if he doesn't sweat?" You know. Uh -huh. But he picked up that stick for a stick. Anyway, he loved Colin Walcott. He loved the drum, our drum. Uh -huh. Yeah. And and so I would, I would like, in some cases, I would, we would do trios or quartets. Minus one of us, mm -hmm. minus me sometimes, and I'd go and write the next tune for the next uh, take. Wow. And then we'd do that, we'd play that. And wow. So it was already thrown together, but... But uh, but how did it feel to play with him? Well, deafening, really. You could you could already hear it, you know, and it didn't work that well. Mm -hmm. You think so? Well, it did finally in the recording, but... Yeah, but, because uh, I think it sounds great I, on the recording. Yeah, it ended up being okay, but uh, it was hard to hear the guitar. <laughs> Yeah, you, I played the piano a lot on that one. Yes, you did. But you weren't separate. I mean, you had to be separated with the guitar. Not, yeah, only distant. Like we didn't have anything in between. We didn't put up barrier. The engineer was, was in that case. He didn't know what to do either. That's very loose. <laughs> wow. <laughs> very loose. I mean, we always had that studio to ourselves. And uh -huh. I don't think we had something to put in between. Hmm. There must have been some kind of baffle. Mm -hmm. Whatever. Anyway, we had a good time, though. And then... then uh, uh, Alvin was a big drinker, so and he his wife wasn't around, so he was living it up, and uh, he would disappear sometimes for a week, but he he was okay. I mean, he, but anyway, he was such a lovable character, and uh, mm -hmm. and uh, oh, and he would he loved loved to play and loved, loved playing with that band that whole record, and so when we were finished on it, he was tuckered out. We we had. Done it, you know. We had uh, mm -hmm. played Elvin into the ground. <laughs> so, well, you know, he was and he was happy. So he and Colin went out to a bar just down the street and just got plastered. And um, Bill Evans came up uh, quite a bit uh, whenever we talked. Uh, we uh, yeah. there was uh, Bill coming up, and, and now again, um, I'm wondering how uh, you incorporated specific things from recordings of his and what you or if you can narrow down what you've learned from him 
and how you incorporated it on the guitar. And okay, also, it's it's just a simple thing. Uh, the most simple thing is is the left hand. How to move the left hand uh, in the chords and connecting all the voicings mm -hmm. and the efficiency of just moving one note and having it, uh, you know, like like if you're doing a. a On the left hand, you do, do, you just yeah. move one one finger, and you would have that go from the seventh. You one thing I, I noticed was the the reharmonization of stuff mm. that I like. But that's what I did with Peacock, and I lived in Seattle at the same time for years. I moved out there. To, I left New York and moved to Seattle to be near my daughter, basically. And, and there was Gary living in Seattle. Mm -hmm. He had left Japan, and he had started to play the bass again. He was teaching. And we hooked up, and it, that was it. And we would spend hours, days, you know, years, years together in Seattle. Mm -hmm. But hours, just at my place, just reharmonizing tunes, writing new tunes, mm -hmm. and uh, just living. Uh, yeah. So the bass is that, but this whole thing of, of efficiency. Uh, while the bass is playing in another part and not doubling it all the time. Yes. And um, but anyway, just that, just getting completely immersed in in, in harmony and the way things move, and and uh, of course, you know, applying to the piano, to the guitar. Yeah. And uh, so basically, so so so, and of course, you know, Gary and was playing with Bill. Did oh. you ask him a lot of questions about that time? Yeah. And about, about their process? Well, their process, yeah. I think, you know, I've heard a recording of Bill working at the chords, a, a tune with, with uh, LaFaro. Yes. And I'm really shocked at how... That's my favorite How part, simple, right? simple, yeah. Mm -hmm. But how... They weren't that decisive about it, and when, when it was funny, I was I was expecting uh, because I had done the same thing with Gary, with with it, lots of things, my tunes with other tunes, not just as standards, but um, I expected it to be more him to be more com complicated about it when, but uh, they had they had a way of of working it out, but they had to work work a lot on things together. Mm. Did you have a personal interaction with Bill at some point? Yeah, I did, a little bit. Not much. I, I kind of didn't want to disturb this... Uh, the fact that he was so important to me, his music, and I didn't even want to get involved. And I, and I heard it here that it was difficult to have a friendship with that someone who, you know. I mean, anyway, I didn't want to mess up what this this guy's music had done for me, so so anyway, he knew he'd heard me and we met. In fact, he opened he actually opened for Oregon once, solo. Mm -hmm. But um, oh, and that was a great thing, because here I am, and we're doing our sound check, which was the most laborious sound check Oregon ever always had. It took us an hour at least, minimum, with all the instruments and the. Drums and 
microphones. But uh, so Bill showed up. He got called to replace John McLaughlin, who was going to open solo, and and John copped out somehow. And uh, so they called Bill, who was at a racetrack, and Bill says, "Yeah, yeah, I'll open." And, and so Bill came rushing over. So we're in the middle of the sound check. So here comes Bill Evans himself, and and comes rushing over to me at the piano. Says, "Ralph, Ralph, listen to this." And he sits down, bam, right next to me, where <laughs> you and, and he starts playing this unbelievable. So, you know, really, completely atonally incredible thing. On was the it piano. Hard or no, no, it was like an intro to a tune or a tune. I don't know. It was amazing. Just start playing. Listen to this. Listen to this, Ralph. Hey, Ralph, listen to this. You know, and, and, I'm, th- and I'm sitting there and I'm looking at my watch and saying, and we hadn't finished the sound check. <laughs> and I, said, I finally had to say, Bill, you know, we... Bill, I'm sorry, we, we got to finish our sound check. So I, I kicked Bill Evans off the piano and sat down and we finished our sound check. And, and, and if you would have told me uh, a couple of years, you know, a few years before any time, or especially many years before, mm-hmm. that I was eventually going to have to kick Bill Evans off the piano so I could finish the sound check. Yeah. So I thought, wow, this is like beyond belief. So we had kind of a... And and we did play opposite the Bill Evans trio, especially in the last, with a wonderful trio, the, his last one with, with Mark. Mm-hmm. So by then I knew, everybody knew everybody else, you know, I mean, this is years later. And uh, I could tease, I stuck my head in the door of their dressing room and teased them about this, these funny little uniforms that Bill had made them wear. <laughs> <laughs> All wearing the same blazers. And, yeah. It, something. There was never a musical uh, situation where you would play the guitar or. Anything. No, it was sad, you know. I, I, uh, and I wish he would have played some of my tunes. So, but. Oh yeah. I somehow, uh, we never did connect that directly. But he was a difficult person, and it was a, uh, with the drugs and everything. Mm. Anyway, we we were often. I was off, in this incredible world of. You know, writing my own music, trying to go beyond. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, that's the strange thing with Bill Evans. I mean, so we knew each other, and he knew my music, so. Yeah, it's just amazing. I mean, all these people, and the musicians, how musicians know each other, and the connections you have with people you only see maybe once every two years. Yes. And then when you see him, it's like, your mm-hmm. old buddies, I mean, but that at one point in New York, we were all living in Manhattan, all in a real close perimeter of everybody. All the at one point, all the guitar players were like McLaughlin, Schofield, Abercrombie, me, a couple other guys, and a chick, and we were, we all lived within a like a four block radius mm-hmm. in in Manhattan, wow. and always playing together and hooking up. And what kind of stuff did you learn from? Uh, working with uh, Eva Crombie together? Well, we would just, uh, uh, I would write a little bit more than him, but he would write. But no, we would just get together and jam like standards and, yeah. and but new tunes yeah. and just play like crazy all the time. And we, we were like really, we were only a block and a half away. 
And uh, we would go on these long tours of Europe and come back and go hang out the very same night we arrived. And one time we had played in Uncle Paul's Carnegie Hall and that was this, this horrible place that everybody played. And uh, uh, what, what's that? Yakim Kuhn was there. And we, Yakim was that funny guy too. I mean, he, anyway, but so we hung out with Yakim and uh, uh, right after the, the gig was over. Then John and I, then about three days later, we were back home in New York and we said, ah, let's, let's go out. So we went down to uh, 7th Avenue South just to hear Michael Brecker, I think, and, and uh, some other guys playing. And, and there was Joachim Kuhn, and, and he sees uh, Abercrombie and I together, and he says, my God, you guys must really like each other. <laughs> <laughs> he could not believe that we would have been yeah. nose to nose in the car, you know, mm-hmm. for, for like three weeks, and then that we would hang out in that's, Germany. That's cool. Yeah, we were really good friends, yeah. But it's audible in the music. It's very cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, well, he was... Special. We just had a special thing. Electric guitar and guitar. Two guitarists is also mm-hmm. pretty difficult. But he played so differently. But he and he could play really good bass lines and comp. You mm-hmm. know, with his, he do a little finger style for his. He would sound like a Hammond organ though. He would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, so he liked the same kind of music. We had the same taste in music and piano players and and uh, Jim Hall was his favorite. And, mm-hmm. But but uh, you know we we had this similar taste in music and this understanding of of the piano music and the piano trios and he loved the the eleventh trio and hmm. but all things were really happening then I tell you everybody played with everybody else I mean it was really a wonderful experience hmm. I mean I somehow wound up on a weather report record and that's how yes. far out it got you know. I love that track so much. And you told me it was just you uh, practicing the song. and they, Yeah, they yeah. and then Joe had enough sense to say, leave that. He says, don't turn that, don't turn the thing on the red light or he'll fall apart. He doesn't, won't play with shit. He says, yeah. just let him keep playing. Yeah. I said, keep recording, says Joe. And, uh, so Joe has his own version. He did an interview of all the music he recorded. Yeah. And of that recording session. And... Uh, And he and he remembers every detail of every everything, and he he was uh, he. We hung out one time. One day I had a chance to hang out for a whole afternoon, because we were in the same in Norway. We had a on the same festival, and just he and I spent a whole long afternoon hung out, and he's so excited. And then I went to hear him play because I didn't play till the next night with the, one of his. Uh, special uh, syndicate bands mm-hmm. and it was unbelievable you know okay, so I listened to the whole concert it was just like tearing things it was really great anyway it's in a little theater and so I would ah, I guess I'll go back and say hi and, but just as I'm going there on the little sideway sort of uh, hallway to get backstage here comes Joe the other way he says man I can't believe you stayed for the whole thing And he was like, like really touched that I would mm-hmm. stay and listen to the whole thing. And then, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I was happy to get in for free. Mm-hmm. But uh, so he had, a, he had another great side to it, a very gentle side. Mm.